This is the Luke Thomas Show podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. All right, on the very last episode of the Luke Thomas Show podcast, uh, we're going to talk about this actually being the very last episode of the show. Thanks to everyone who made it possible. A couple of guests stopped by. The guy who's taking over this slot, Jimmy Smith, is going to be here to preview his new show, Unlocking the Cage. We'll talk about that. Plus, we'll preview the weekend's fights between Anthony Smith and Alexander Rakic. Chael Sonnen, who was this show's first guest, is also going to be the last one. We'll talk to him about a bunch of things going on in his life and in the sport. And lastly, a send-off. Thank you to everyone who made this show possible, who listened, who wrote in, who tweeted. All of you are appreciated. And to everyone at SiriusXM who made it all possible, you made a guy's dream come true. I'm forever in your debts. Thank you. On October 16th, 2015, the Luke Thomas Show took to the airways for the very first time. And Luke Thomas made a promise to the audience on what they could expect from the show. This is going to be a ton of fun. We're going to make this not just my show, but it's going to be our show. You come here to have a good time. And for nearly five years, Luke held true to that promise by being a voice for the athletes in MMA. There isn't one person who takes a more principled stance on fighter rights than I do. Tackling the tough issues of the sport. We need to rethink our perception of anti-doping in MMA. Entertaining the listeners with ridiculous challenges. We are in the midst of the Hot Wings Challenge. Oh God, are you getting hot? In the, I'm getting sweat. <laughs> now, this is getting hot, bro. Just, Watch your mouth. That's what this challenge is about, Marissa! <laughs> I live in the heat! Talking to the biggest names in the industry. The one and only Chael Sonnen. Habib Nurmagomedov joins us here on the Luke Thomas Show. George St. Pierre joins us now in studio. The women's UFC bantamweight champion, Amanda Nunes. He is the Hawaiian pride himself, Max Blessed Holloway. And introducing us to the future stars of tomorrow. Israel Adesanya joins us here on the show. Appreciate it, Luke. Thank you so much. You're the first to get in on this interview, and I appreciate you putting me on. Now the time has come to say goodbye to one of the backbone programs of Sirius XM Fight Nation. It has been super fun, and it's just been the most rewarding decision. And so, to everybody, thank you. Thank you, Luke, for all of your hard work and contributions to MMA and Sirius XM and good luck in your future endeavors. Now, for the final time, here is your host, Luke Thomas. Wow. It is Friday, August 28th, 2020. For the last time, Caesar is home. Welcome, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas, and this is the Luke Thomas Show right here on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. You heard it right. There's probably someone tuning in for the first time today being like, yeah, this show sounds good. Oh, wait, it's the last one. Right. I'm out. Uh, it is the last one, but we still have a lot to do. We got two hours ahead of us, and we have a lot of things to get to. A couple of guests are going to stop by. The man who is taking over, I'm not saying the show this time slot, because he's got his own show coming. Jimmy Smith will be here in about 30 minutes or so, and we will actually get to some real stuff. He's going to help us preview with the last brawls deep. The Smith and Rackage fight tomorrow. Plus, we will also preview what he's going to have in store for you guys. Because remember, passing the baton basically today. He picks it up and runs with it on Monday. There is no days off here on MMA on Sirius XM. We just keep things rocking. Uh, then at, let's see, 2.30, excuse me, Chael Sonnen will be here. Uh, of course, our last sort of uh, non Sirius XM guest. We'll talk about what's going on in the world of MMA and combat sports with him. Also, have you guys noticed the guy does like UFC and Bellator analyst work? 
and somehow like no one bats an eye. It's an amazing feat that this man has pulled off, but it has worked. So we'll talk about that uh, as well. Plus, you know, we'll get to some of your favorite moments here from the last four or five years. If you have any, we'd love to hear from you. 877-FIGHT-93, 877-344-4893. We'll take some calls on this, I guess, sort of throughout the show. Uh, you know, I can never... Man, if I don't get calls today, fuck y'all. That's, <laughs> that's sort of where I'm at on this one. If you don't have the nerve to call in today when we, we open up the phone lines, you know... I mean, I don't have nice things to say about you is really uh, is really sort of the key there. And then, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. And then, you know, I will have uh, we'll do some predictions and then some final words. That's it. Number to call, as always, 877-FIGHT-93, 877-344-4893. That is our phone. We are on Twitter at MMA on SiriusXM. And of course, we are on Instagram. Sirius XM Fight Nation. All right, very good. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining me. Let me tell you what today is not going to be. It is not going to be mopey. It is not going to be sad, right? Not that it's a funeral exactly, but I, I take inspiration from people who are always like, you know, at my funeral, I want people to drink and have a good time and live it up and not be all sad and despondent. Well, it's not a funeral. I'm not dying. And SiriusXM will be thriving. There, it, everything is fine in that sense, but it is the end of this program. And honestly, if I can be candid with you, it might even be the end of my radio career. I certainly hope not. But if you guys don't know anything about radio, it is very hard to break into. And once you're out, many times you are out for good. Um, and that was a calculation I had to make when I was thinking about my choices because I was like, uh, you know, radio has been a constant in my life as an occupation since 2008. Now I was only a weekender for the first four years, as I mentioned. Um, and then I was sort of part-time for the next three and then yeah, 2008 to 12 and then 15. Yeah. So another three, and then there's only been the last five or so that it's been more or less full, full time. Um, and even then it wasn't full-time when it started, it was, uh, it was still a part-time gig. So full-time has been relatively new in my, uh, radio run. And I went from local weekends to national part-time weekdays until eventually getting my own show with my own name on it to national drive time. And we had to move to, to three o'clock, which is more midday by virtue of the pandemic. But you know, the trajectory was on the, the right path. I was, I was super pleased with it. Um, you know, radio is a very, very, very tough business. People always ask me, like, how'd you get a radio show? And I'm like, accident? I mean, the reality was another show on that channel back in 2007 and 2008 needed guests to talk about MMA because they didn't know anybody, right? As the UFC was getting hot in the post-Ultimate Fighter era, they somehow got a hold of me because I had met one of the other guys at a commentary event. Um, or doing commentary, I should say, at an event, and then they had me on, and then the program director heard me and was just trying to fill weekend slots, and then I got it, and then I did a spot on um, Fight Nation when it was two other guys. They brought me on, and then, you know, one thing led to another, and here we are. Um, this is a, you know, this is a, a hard thing to say goodbye to in terms of how important it's been. I mean, you know... <laughs> I mean, I've been in radio longer than I've known my wife, and we're about to have our uh, eight-year anniversary in two weeks, you know? 
it predates a lot of relationships I have with, you know, even people on this show. Um, and so I am cognizant that not only is this my last episode of the Luke Thomas show, it might be the end of my career in radio. No, I certainly hope not. But here's the thing. Even if it does mean all of that, I'm telling you that today is not going to be that day. Today is not going to be the day that everyone gets all mopey and all sad and calls in and says, you know, oh, I wish it wasn't happening and blah, blah, blah. Today is a day where we just reflect on uh, how great it's been and how lucky we are. Just before the show, I was looking. I was like, why is MGM Resorts trending on Twitter? It's because they're going to lay off 18,000 people today that they had previously furloughed. That's a quarter of their entire workforce pre-pandemic. You know, I just don't have the right to complain about anything by virtue of that situation. I don't have the right to complain about anything in terms of what I did and didn't get to do in radio. I don't get to complain about anything in terms of the branding of the show and did my name get out there enough. I don't have anything to complain about in terms of having leadership who believed in me. I don't have anything to complain about in terms of listeners who were supportive and or kept me on my toes. Uh, I have plenty to complain about with Cobb because he's been a failure from beginning to end. But short of that, short of that, I'm teasing. Uh, even with that, I've had guys, you know, dedicated to the show, working around the clock, four in the morning, two in the morning, this part of the country, that part of the country. You just can't complain today. You just can't. Today is a day for gratitude. Today is a day to smile. And, you know, I wish I could be there. I, if, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I would have come in studio in New York. But today is a day to high five. Today is a day to handshake. Today is a day to hug and thank and, uh, and to just toast. That's what it is. Today is a day for salutes. It's a day for um, thank yous. And it's just a day for happiness, man. It's not going to be anything else but that. I don't want to hear any long faces. I don't want to hear or see any long faces rather. But, um, you know, I, I just I don't have any. I, you can't do it today, folks. You can't. You know, we're lucky to all, in terms of the radio side of this, lucky to be in this business, lucky to have these listeners, lucky to have this time slot, lucky to have this help, lucky to have a roof over my head, you know, and Marissa allowed me to do basically everything you're going to do in radio. I got to travel. I got to go to the biggest fights. I got to have... You know, I mean, our last, I was thinking, uh, Marissa and I were talking yesterday at our last event in New York City, we had Stylebender come through. He was already the champion. We had Valentina Shevchenko come through. She was already the champion. And we had Dominic Reyes come through, who might be your next champion. You know, and they all stayed and hung out. Can you believe that? And that's what it was, bro. It was super, super, um, it was great. It was great. And so my last, well, my entire time with Six M has been great, but the last five years have been great, man. You know, there's been days of frustration like there are days of frustration in any job. There's been days where I've been pissed off. You know, listen, when the Diaz brothers both, <laughs> both duffed on me on the same day, you know, not the best day of my life, right? Okay, fine. But they duff on a lot of people. And we had great times after that. And... I wouldn't trade, honestly, the last five years at this place for five years at any other. You know? I just wouldn't. And I'm not going to. I'm not, not doing it today, folks. 
Not doing it today. We are not going to be in a position to get all mopey. Um, I'm going to take a couple calls now because if I don't, we won't end up getting to them till much later. I do have a main event preview to do. We do have Brawls Deep to do and some other stuff as well. But if you want to call in, uh, li- literally, it's last call, folks. The lights are on. Cobb, Co- you ever been at a last call at a bar? And the lights come on, and you're like, wow, I have really waited until the very last minute to get this buzz on. You ever done that? I've done that a few times. Every moment of my life in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's when I get my best dates. Uh, okay. 877-FIGHT-93. Let's take a couple of these calls here. Let's go to TJ in South Carolina. What's up, TJ? What's going on, brother? Hey, man. Just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to say, hey, some people listen to the radio, and they listen to Howard Stern, and they... They listen to Opie and Anthony, or they go on TV and they watch Ellen and shit. But hey, man, I'm a Luke Thomas guy. I've been listening to Luke Thomas. You've been my dude. And uh, man, thank you so much for everything you've done. I really, really enjoyed your coverage. Now I got to figure out how to piss to find Morning Combat, but uh, I'm sure a, a quick Google search will do that. But hey, thank you so much, brother. You, you were the man. And I've really, really enjoyed uh, your MMA coverage and looking forward to see what Jimmy does in the time slot. We'll see you, brother. No doubt about it. Thank you, TJ. Jimmy's going to do a great job. And yeah, just just Google what I'm going to be doing next or follow me on social media. You'll get all the information you need to get. Let me take uh, well, maybe one or two more of these and then we'll go to break. Danny is in Arizona and on the Luke Thomas show. What's up, Danny? Hey, good morning. I just wanted to say thank you very much for all the awesome. Going to kind of miss hearing you on the radio, but man, you're awesome. Is, is, what, what time is it where you are, Danny? Is it 10 a.m.? Yeah, about that. Wow. That must be nice. Well, Danny, I appreciate you listening and waking and baking before, before you called the show. And, uh, you know, for everyone who listened all these years, man, thank you. You guys, this is this is why we did it. It's because of y'all. I'll take one more of these and then we'll go to break. Cody is in Rhode Island. Hi, Cody. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing well, buddy. I just want to... I just want to say that I've watched two MMA bouts my entire life, but I listen to your show every day because you are a terrific broadcaster, and I can't wait to see what you're doing next. Thank you, Cody. What are the fights you've seen? Uh, actually, the only two times I ever watched was when Silva lost. Wow. <laughs> that is amazing. Thank you for the call, Cody, and for the support. I appreciate it. That is amazing. It's like, dude, this guy Silva sucks. <laughs> He might have just been the best fighter ever, but if you only saw those, what impression are you supposed to get? It's like watching Aaron Judge the only times he's ever struck out. Hey, everyone. This is Lisa Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences, past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the Sirius XM app and Apple Podcasts. Another fight card is on the horizon, and Luke Thomas has one mission before the fighters meet in the cage. I want you guys to listen to this show, and I want you to be better informed as a fight fan. So he's reached out to some of the fight game's greatest minds to help give the expert analysis you deserve. That's called the quarter blood technique. You do that, a quarter blood will drop out of person's body. They'll pull back the curtain on the strategies you'll likely see, so you'll be ready for fight night. I'm going to need you to stop watching my fights and give him my game time to it. It's time to go broke. Rawls Deep. 
All right, we are back. Luke Thomas Show, 877-FIGHT-93, 877-344-4893. Time now for the final edition of Brawls Deep. I can think of no one better than a man who, by the way, has done this segment a number of times. And uh, now I don't have to tell you, you can kind of hear him there on this channel. You can kind of hear him uh, here or in between. Now he's got a dedicated slot. Hello, it's this one. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith kicks off Monday, 1 p.m. on August 31st. 31st, excuse me. That is this coming Monday. It's Jimmy Smith. Hi, Jimmy. How are you? I told myself I wouldn't cry. I told myself I wouldn't do it. Choke it up a little. You're, you know, you're doing just fine. Do I want to... I want to talk about your show in just a second, but for the moment at hand, let's do quickly the Brawls Deep portion of this, namely a bit of a main event preview, and then we'll circle back and preview your show. So Anthony Smith taking on Alexander Rakic. We had both of them on the show, both nice guys. When you think about what this fight hinges on, probably hinges on many things, but maybe most predominantly it hinges on what? And by the way, for folks who may not know, it's a three-round contest, so maybe that is the answer. What do you think? The, 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 the first-round start. Because when you take a beating like Anthony Smith took against Glover Teixeira, it's in your head. And can Rakic make that a factor early? He's a fast starter. He's rangy. He has power. What you want to do whenever someone's coming off a, a, a bad beating or a bad loss, you want to remind them of that loss immediately. You want to put their headspace where they were when they're getting beaten up. Make them question themselves. And if you start quickly and you start with power, if you can get somebody gun shy early, that's huge. So the, the, the defining factor to me is, has Anthony Smith recovered? It's a quick turnaround. Let's not forget that. Has he mentally recovered? And can Rakic's style make that recovery a factor, right? If you're dealing with a slow starter, someone who takes a while to warm up, um, Kaikar France, I mean, look at his fights because he's, he's, he's fighting soon. He tends to start slowly. He's not going to get in a fighter's head early and remind them how bad of a beating they just took. Rakic will. And if you can make that a factor, to me, that, that's number one. They have a common opponent against Uzdemir. Now, you called, if memory serves, the Smith versus Uzdemir fight. What was to you, if anything, surprising about Smith in that fight? And then, from your best recollection, what went wrong for Rakic against Uzdemir? His maturity. I remember the Anthony Smith uh, Volkan Uzdemir fight. He kept the pressure on. He didn't let Volkan Uzdemir, once again, uh, another quick starter, get in his head. He didn't eat any early big punches. And when he did, he recovered very, very well. It was like he kind of kept the fire burning the whole time, knowing Volkan Uzdemir was going to wear down. So I remember being very, very impressed with his maturity in that fight, with his physical pressure in that fight. Uzdemir wore down. And that's what led to the choke at the end. Um, with Rakic, the, the problem with the Uzdemir fight, and a lot of people thought he won that fight, he wasn't consistent. Much like Uzdemir, where, where he would explode and then he'd rest. He couldn't deal well with a standard leg kick. That, I mean, his front leg, remember, was a mess after that fight. So those are the two things that got to me is he would explode and then rest. He would explode and then wait. He would attack and then Uzdemir would attack back. That's what led to those the scorecards, you know, some people didn't agree with is he couldn't keep the pressure on consistently the way Anthony Smith kept it on Vulcan, Vulcan Uzmir when they fought. That was the big difference to me. The other the factor here, though, two things. One, they're in the smaller cage because it will be the apex. I tend to think that probably favors Rakic, but I can see circumstances where Smith can take advantage of that. I mean, he was the one bullying Glover Teixeira for the first two rounds. And then the other aspect is, of course, the fact that it is only three. Now, we had Smith on the show, and he was saying, you know, if I could go back, probably the, the calibration of how I was expending energy, I would do differently. Okay, but he doesn't have to overcorrect because three rounds, man, that's so different than 25 minutes. 
minutes versus the 15. Again, I do think you have to be careful, but Smith can kind of, you know, he got to put it on Rakic if that's part of his game plan, really to apply pressure without too much of a concern around gas tanks or, or, or am I missing something? No, I, I definitely agree with that. Look at, look at the Glover to share fight. If that's a three rounder, we probably get a draw. You know, I think how bad of a beating that was. If it's a three-rounder, right. he won the first two rounds. Glover probably wins 10-8 in the third. And it's a draw. It's a totally different fight with a completely different outcome in three rounds. So right. all Anthony Smith has to do is, if I'm his coaches, and I really respect my Mark Montoya Factory X. You know, obviously, uh, he does a bunch of brawls deep. You're welcome. That was my idea. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> every single time. <laughs> uh, Mark uh, Russo always tells me, he goes, yeah, when I first said Mark Montoya, they were like, who? Who's that? Who needs that guy? And then he was like, dude, he's really good. And I was like, thank you. Thank you, Jimmy Smith. Anyway, my point is, yeah. I really respect Mark Montoya. If I'm Anthony Smith, if I'm his coaching staff, if I'm Mark Montoya, I show him the first two rounds of that Glover to share fight over and over and you were doing everything right it looked like a video game you were doing everything perfectly your range was good your accuracy was good you had excellent speed just do that again keep that up for three rounds and and you know i, I would add a little defensive slickness he's always anthony smith has always been pretty hittable that's i guess one of his weaknesses against big power punch against uh, tiago santos he can be a big target he, he isn't the most defensively slick guy we saw them go over to sheriff fight i would add that late but Man, I would play in those first two rounds and say, give me that for three rounds and you win this fight. And I believe he, he can. All right. And then we quickly will just talk about the co-main event. Robbie Lawler taking on Neil Magny. I don't know if you saw the, the virtual media day that Robbie Lawler did. He reminds me of Strikeforce Lawler, which is you didn't quite know what you were going to get. Sometimes he's going to come out, you know, and knock out Melvin Manhoof, albeit after Manhoof kind of put it on him. But still, you know, you're going to get a nice win. Out yeah, Manhoof, yes. Limp, limping. Right, right. But I mean, he did get the win. It's a nice win. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, you're just going to get a guy who gets guillotined by Jake Shields without a whole lot of issue. You just now not that Neil Magny is that guy, but I just mean Lawler, when he went back to UFC, was a, had a little bit of fire under him, was a lot more consistent win or lose. I don't know what we have now. No, he is coming off of three losses, Jimmy, but... The Askren loss, I think, fairly controversial. He got injured in the RDA fight, and Colby is a very different fighter from Magny in the sense of the kinds of weapons he applies, although he does have that high volume. What are you expecting out of Lawler at this juncture in his career, especially against a Magny who is rangy and, as we mentioned, very high output kind of guy? Well, let, let's drop some. All right, it's you and me. We go way back. Let, let's let's drop some knowledge on everybody. Robbie Lawler at 185 was a different dude. He was a different guy. His power wasn't as much of a factor. And I think that really bothered him. I think it really took a lot of steam out of him. His strike force career was at 185. We're taking on guys like Babalu. We're taking on guys that like Tim Kent, big dudes that can take your power punch and go, okay, fine. I'm not, it's not going to do it. He was a different guy. And I think that led to a lot of the inconsistencies was the change in weight class where his power was way less of a factor. So I'm going to add that little caveat, but against Neil Magny, the, the deal is, is that I forget the losses, forget the streak. This guy can knock you out with either hand. He's been doing it since he was 19 years old. He's always going to have that. The thing about Neil Magny is I think this fight is really in Neil Magny's hands in the sense of you look at his range, you look at his jab. And what do you think, Luke? You think, God, if I had that build, I'd never lose, right? I would just, I would hmm. jab and jab and jab and I would kick and I would frustrate guys and I would make them do something stupid. I would put them in the clinch and I would knee their head right off. Magni tends to get involved in these short range brawls. He tends to be super aggressive. Metaphor I always use is it's a guy with a sniper rifle running across the battlefield. 
You don't do that. Make them come to you. You have the range. And he doesn't do that. When he fights smart, he looks great. When he fights aggressively and takes away his range advantage, I, I have to sit there and go, God, what is he even thinking? Now, he came back well for me when, when I look at much like Anthony Smith, he took a beating from Santiago Ponzinibbio. I was there and it was one of those, oh my God, this guy's never going to be the same guy. He's come back well. He's trying to get a two in a row. So I don't question his heart. I don't question his ability to recover. I question his decision making. If he makes the right decision, it's a long, frustrating, difficult Colby Covington kind of night for Robbie Lawler. And what I mean by that is it's just frustrating. He's at the wrong range the entire time, and he never gets his power punches off. If Neil Magny wants to brawl with Robbie Lawler, good night. I just don't see that working out well at all for Neil Magny. So it's really in Neil Magny's hands as far as I'm concerned. Also a bit of a crossroads moment. I mean, this is not a guy Lawler probably would have lost to, which is not to say that Neil is bad. But Neil is not of the you know elite company yet. Uh, when I say elite, I mean top five, right? Just sort of perennial top five kind of guy at welterweight. Um, again, there's no shame in losing to him. Do you remember Paul Williams it, in boxing? Do you remember Paul Williams? The one who had Paul the car accident? The, yeah, the one who got paralyzed in a car accident. Tall, mm-hmm. rangy, threw a ton of punches. And fighters just got frustrated <laughs> fighting him. Just He throws like 150 punches around. He's tall and he's ranged. I, I can't get around anything. It's that similar kind of – what you're saying is so right. He was never an elite guy, but always kind of a trap fight. Always one of those guys where eh, it, it doesn't pay to fight this guy because he's not elite at the moment, but he can still beat me. He's been a trap fighter his whole career. Hmm. We'll see what, what kind of uh, performance he turns in. All right. So speaking of performances, you're going to be turning in one from the, well, I guess from now on, Monday, <laughs> Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith. You know, people don't realize this. Going from, you know, to be a broadcaster, you can take some things from TV and you can bring it to radio. But I think you would tell the audience here, it's not exactly the same. And more to that point, you know, a lot of times you're in service to either the television network you work for or the promoter, depending on how the arrangement works. And now it's just Jimmy saying whatever Jimmy wants and whatever you want to talk about. And you're going to be able to do it in large part. A, for me, if you could talk about the transition, that'd be great. But B, how are you imagining your show as a, as a function of your identity? Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's interesting. And I always, you know, whenever I'm on radio, I always, the freedom of being able to talk about whatever I want, whenever I want. And, and I have to be honest, I was never, People have this idea that we're pulled aside by Scott Coker or Dana White and told to, to back a certain fighter, not to say this and not to say that. They're, they're pretty much hands off. We have a pretty good reign. It didn't always make me popular. I got to say, I, I hmm. you know, I, I was too honest for my own good sometimes, you know, and I don't regret it at all. But there were a lot of times when I was told, man, only you could get away with that because, you know, I, I was honest about a, a fighter's prospects or something like that. I can be honest about the matchmaking, which that's the one, that's the third rail. Whenever you work for a promotion is you can criticize a fighter. You can criticize a camp. You can criticize anyone. Don't criticize this guy. Shouldn't be fighting this guy because that's a promotion call. And that's a big difference in like in boxing, they can criticize the matchmaking all they want. They, they don't work for the matchmaker. We do. So um, yeah, the freedom of of being able to have my own show and be able to even on your show. I mean, you you, you know, I can say whatever I want. I can take any side I want. I can really be honest. And that feels absolutely great. And and the way it's kind of a an extension of my personality is, <laughs> which is which which uh, you know which is awful. But somehow SiriusXM is looking past it. You know, I yeah, they that. are. I mean, I'm a terrible person. You know this, Luke. I'm an awful, <laughs> awful person, and yet I'm Just able to. Ex- I'm the worst, but I'm able to, you know, kind of express things in my own way. And I want to bring a lot of people on that, that I don't agree with. And 
be able to talk to them about it. I mean, that, that's huge. I mean, there's so many times when I wanted to pull a coach's side or pull a, a, a matchmaker side and go, what were you thinking with this? That was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I've had these conversations in private with people, but the ability I have to go do get that person on, I want to ask them what they were thinking. I want to ask them what was going on. I want to you know, dive into the head of like a Mark Montoya and go, why did you send him out for that last round? When I, I think he, he, you know, give him his chance to talk about it. And that's what it gives me the freedom to do. That's what it really gives me the freedom to do is go anywhere I want with any story. And that's, that's a dream come true, man. And I have you to thank for that. Well, Monday, you're going to have uh, maybe the most popular guy in the sport, arguably. One of the richest, I can say that, after that <laughs> effing Spotify deal he signed. Oh, so Joe Rogan yeah. is going to be on, on Monday, huh? Yeah, man. I, it's funny because, you know, oh, who could you have on? I was like, well, I can call Joe. And she goes, are you sure you could do that? I go, yeah. I just called him. I was like, hey, you want to be on my show? He goes, dude, I'd love to. It'd be great. It'd be awesome, man. You know what I mean? And so he was, he was thrilled. He moved to Texas this week. So uh, he just wanted to make sure his internet was up on time, but he's thrilled to do it. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Cause you never, I got to, now that I can be honest about it, the, 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 the thing about being with Joe is he can go anywhere, man. Whenever you're on a show, whenever you're on air with the guy, it's almost nerve wracking. I'll talk to him about this totally because he can be like, so when I was on mescaline and you're like, Joe, I can't go there on air. I like Joe, I can't do that. You can go wherever you want to go and all this stuff. And you're just like, Joe, I do not want to get in that discussion right now. There's no way. Like, right. You never know which way Joe's going to go because as you talk about the Spotify deal, it's like, I got a hundred million bucks in the bank. I don't need this. I don't need you. I don't need any of this. And so you're kind of like, it's almost like he's a really entertaining loose cannon because of that. It's somebody asked me to go, did you call and congratulate Joe on the Spotify deal? And I said, what? Cause he was struggling before he gets to quit his burger flipping job. Like he's, do, he's doing fine. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for the guy, but it's, it's almost like a different level of success that I find kind of almost entertaining. Luke, you almost like have to laugh about it. You know? Yeah. It, dude, dude has kind of had, I mean, not in totality, he's had his own fair share of controversies, but in terms of like professional ambitions, he's almost had the Midas touch. He got on news radio, which then was turned into syndication. He got on fear factor, which was turned into syndication. He let his passion through martial arts guide him to, you know, a black belt and many other forms of actual expertise. But then he turned that passion into a broadcasting gig. And then of course the UFC hit pay dirt around 2005 and that has taken off. Then he was like, you know what? I should just start talking to my friends in my living room. A hundred million dollars later, you're like, Jesus Christ, what does this guy try? And it just shits the bed. I don't know what the answer is. It's 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 ridiculous, man. It, it it really is. And you know, it's it's funny to me. I mean, like the, all you can say is that it's like you know, it's entertaining, and 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 you know, I, I it's, it's unique, weird because I think you know, honestly, and and it's almost like being you remember High, you remember Highlander, right? There's no Highlander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. So, you know, they're immortal and they can't die and they kill each other. That's there. That's the plot if you haven't seen it. So, but the one guy <laughs> who's immortal, he's got the shaved head. He's all punked out and he drives a car at 200 miles an hour because he can't die. That's what being that rich and successful is. Like, how many times a day do we think about, I can't do this. I can't afford it. Or I can't do this. Oh, I'm going to hurt my professional. He just doesn't have any of those concerns at all. And nope. so it's just a weird, yeah, it's a weird space to live in to me. It's just like, Okay, I can do whatever I want. I don't know. I don't worry about crashing this car into a wall because I'm immortal and I can't die. Well, I don't worry about any of my decisions because I'm financially secure for the rest of my life. It's just weird. 
Yeah, it must be a nice place to be. Well, another nice place to be is the seat that you are going to be in, Jimmy. So I got to tell you, I'm thrilled. You know, here's the truth. If they were setting some jackass up behind me, I would be getting a lot of hate mail or angry phone calls. I didn't see any of that. I saw everyone being like, shit, yeah, all right, this is great. This is a great transition. I can totally get down with that. I am happy that the fans are happy. I am happy that SiriusXM is happy. I am happy that you are happy, and you should know I am as well. This is a great scenario, I think, for all the parties involved. And when everyone can win... It's hard to go wrong. I wish you nothing but the best of luck, but you don't need it. Still, I'll be listening, and uh, congratulations. You better be calling, too. When I need you, oh, yeah. you're huge, and like, yeah, I, when I need you calling in, you're calling in, because I've always yeah, been well, with you, buddy. All right. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna say that I had my pants uh, around my waist. They might be around my ankles, but you know, I'll still make time for you during the middle of my very important days. Okay. What if you're taking a dump? That's fine with me. I feel like yes. that just bonds us. All right. It, it, cer- it certainly does. Jimmy, congratulations. Unlocking the cage with Jimmy Smith. First episode, we'll have Joe Rogan live Monday, 1 p.m. East Coast time, right here on Sirius XM Fight Nation, channel 156. Thank you so much, Jimmy. Really appreciate it. Luke Thomas Show, coming right back. This is Aussie Football Rules America with Eddie McGuire. One of my great mates, Russell Crowe. AFL goes great in America because it is a tactical game. It is a game that requires incredible skill and dexterity. You can see the moves of basketball in it. You can see so many areas of athletic prowess. Catch new episodes Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern on Dan Patrick Radio Channel 211 and listen at home with Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, or however you stream in the house. We go now to our literal last guest ever on the show. I mean, where can you not see this guy is really the better question than where you can see him because he's on UFC broadcast. He's the only guy who's on UFC broadcast one week and then Bellator the next. It's unbelievable. He's all over YouTube and a million other places. It is the one and only Chael P. Sonnen. Hi, Mr. Sonnen. How are you? Well, what's happening, buddy? I'm better now that I'm talking to you. Uh, well, Chael, let me actually get to like a weird question to start this, but it's something I think you might have a perspective on. I suspect politically we don't agree on much, but here's what I want to ask you. Last night, Dana White spoke at the RNC, which I have no problem with. Yesterday or two days ago at this point, you had the NBA players protest along, I think we can call political lines or boycott, boycott, walkout, whatever you want to call that. Either way, sports and politics they are being intertwined in a way in my lifetime that I don't think I've ever seen before. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? I'd hate to weigh in on that, Luke, because, I mean, to your point, it gets so sensitive. Right? Who wants to go out and hurt somebody's feelings? They want to do that. The other hand, I did enjoy the time where they weren't intertwined. I've always looked at sports. I mean, look, you have the decision made based on a point differential. That's the way sports work. And I will tell you, I did learn something in this. I thought if you had a game and someone doesn't show up, that was a forfeit. And I only go back to that from my high school days. That's how it worked for us. If you did not show up, or even in a wrestling and a dual meet, you don't put a guy on a mat in a specific weight class, great. Forfeit. Points the other team, and everybody moves on with their life. That was one thing that I learned, and I didn't know it. All right. So uh, in terms of your career, we just talked about it. You're all over the place on ESPN, on UFC stuff, on Bellator stuff. Does it ever, like, one side go to you and be like, dude, really? You're going to go on the other side? Like, how have you managed to navigate that space in a way that literally nobody else has or I don't even think could? 
I got to tell you, I think I think there's a compliment in there for me somewhere, but I'm not sure I deserve it. I, sure I deserve it. You know, I never had a great answer on that. I, I was with the UFC and we we're doing some broadcasting or, or, you know, working with ESPN. And then this Bellator deal had come up, which was a de- another network. And everybody just understood. They go, okay, th- this one's already in place. Well, we won't interfere with that, but we'd like to add this one. So you go to the other side and go, hey, is this okay with you? And here's what we're talking about. And everybody said yes. I mean, it, it was... It was 15 seconds, about four four years ago when all that happened. And uh, no, it didn't, it didn't seem like anybody got their feelings hurt. Are you the same analyst on both, or do you slightly change how you do it depending on the broadcast? No, I think I'm the same, you know, and, and I'm not totally the analyst I would like to be there. You know, when you're on TV, it's by somebody else's rules. You and I come on here, and we're, you know, we're doing something that's digital or on the Internet. I, think, I feel like you can have a little bit more fun to loosen up just a little bit more. And I'd like to be a little bit more loose, but I, I, I do feel at times that I will catch myself or be contained or, you know, you brought up uh, the word politics earlier, maybe be more politically correct. And I could have more fun if I wasn't. You're having a ton of fun on YouTube. I haven't checked your subscriber count recently, but it's got to be above five, 600K at this point. Now, I'm sure you're not going to say you're surprised by your success, but the, le- the relative speed at which it has grown, even you, I mean, I, I mean, maybe surprise isn't the word, but surely you must look back and go, whoa, that's been quite the hit. There was a little a level of pride there, I suppose. You know, my ego is directly attached to that number. And that's with each video, right? If, it, if video bombs, you'll look at, what was wrong with it? What happened there? I thought that was an interesting topic, you know, so that, that's a real thing. But um, yeah, I think you would agree with me. There's something to being consistent and letting you know people find out you're there. And then you can see, see the number growth. By the way, we jumped off a topic, but that, that was very interesting. You were mentioning Dana and the RNC, and we we're talking about some of the boycotts with the, the baseball and the football. Um, I felt like Dana navigated a very tough water. Right. You, you might remember, but it was the very late 80s. And Michael Jordan, to make a comparison, was kind of like Oprah at that time, where what he said could swing a needle on any subject. And somebody asked him about politics. They said, hey, how come you don't get involved in politics? And Jordan had a one sentence answer. And he simply said, because Republicans buy shoes, too. Mm-hmm. But there's a message in that, right? There's a message in not taking one of those stands where you could offend while backing another. It's a real thing. And Dana got put in a tough spot in many ways. And I felt like he, re- from a performance, just a performance standpoint, I felt like he did his job and did not offend. Would you, would you agree with that? No, I wouldn't. But here, here's what I'll say. Uh, but not in, a, not in a super contentious way. I mean, let me let me tell you where I would draw the line. You know, it's interesting. I remember that quote because Clay Travis has a book, I think, with that title. I think it's a Republicans buy sneakers too, or something like that, yep. um, which is a fair point for that age. But it's almost like inverted. And I think you might agree with this, which is to say Nike went all in on Colin Kaepernick with that gear. They went all in on it before like public mood had shifted recently. And my whole view was. I don't think Nike is doing this because, I mean, maybe there are people there that like him, but they're not doing that expecting to make a loss. They're doing that expecting to make a profit. To me, that whole thing was profit-driven from the word go. And if you look at their numbers, that actually backs it up. Like, so to me, it actually undermines the message that this is done for like you know purely uh, public service causes. This is done because they're trying to make a buck and they feel like that's a way to do it. 
As it relates to Dana, the reason I think that last night was a little bit different than the one in 2016, if you listen to his speech in 2016, Shale, it was like, this is my buddy. He defended me, took care of us. I'm here to return the favor. It was very, you know, straightforward. The one last night was a little bit different on two accounts. One, he sort of weighed in on the um, the issue related to uh, defunding the police. And there's a debate to be had about it, but he was very, he weighed in on that political issue. And then, you know, he sort of defended the president's coronavirus response, which again, this is a different debate for a different show, but I don't think the record speaks all that highly of him. So I guess what I would say to, to a roundabout long ass answer here is, he actually last time did not weigh in on any issues, and this time he did. And for those reasons, I think he's going to be viewed differently, positively or negatively. Sure, sure. I don't disagree with you. And only time will tell. You and I will need another week to then look at some of the responses. I just was watching that and going, man, this is a tough spot. Closing night. And I, I agree with you. You've got to compare it to 2016. Dana was on some night. I was so excited to see him speak. And I remember seeing it on TV and like the commentators were here you know, talking back and forth and Dana was on stage behind them giving his speech. I had to go online afterwards and pull it up. And now it was mm. on closing night. And there, there's a lot that comes with it. I just thought it was a real battle. I thought it was a really tough spot to be in for anybody as public as Dana. And I was real curious to the performance. And I got to tell you, I learned a few things. I really thought he, I really thought he did a good job. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to tell you it's easy because it's not. That kind of stuff is very difficult. Exactly. exactly. Right. Um, yes. It's a very hard. Right. It's a very, very hard. Are you going to get it perfect? Man? I felt like he got close. That's my own opinion. I was just sharing that with you. No, no doubt about it. We don't have to agree on everything. That's okay. Um, all right. So let's talk a few things in the fight sport business here if we can. John Jones, the heavyweight, your best friend and mine. He loves us both so very much. <laughs> Still, I have to tell you, I am very curious about this move. And I've had a feeling about John. Now, many people will say they scored the Tiago Santos fight against him. I did not. I scored that fight for John. I recognize that there's going to be a dispute there. But I'm just putting my cards on the table. However, I recognize that that was the first time that a scorecard was taken from him by a judge. And I did thought think that Reyes won outright. Here is my read on John. He may have success at heavyweight. I don't know. To me, his offense has deteriorated. The, what's keeping him in fights is that his offense is still good and that his defense is lights out phenomenal. Takedown defense, distance management, the whole nine yards. He doesn't get hit with heavy shots. And that's why he's still competitive. What is your read on the current state of him? Yeah, and he's really tough, right? I mean, I, I know that's simple to say, but generally in this sport, in any sport, you either need to be really good or really tough. If you're the toughest guy, you can probably win the gold medal. If you're the best, most skilled guy, you can probably win the gold medal. Nobody's both. I mean, it's just a really, really rare thing. When you have John Jones and, and use that Reyes fight, I agree with you, it's three to two, very clear, but don't make any mistake. In the fifth round, John Jones was pushing. He saw that slipping away and he did not want it to happen. You could go back to the arm bar with Vitor Belfort, where he was caught, he was stuck, and was like, man, I'm not letting this go. Tiago sent another one. Gustafson the first time, when John, by his own admittance, wasn't even ready, and he realized on the clock, I have to find a way. And it's very respectful. I mean, he is a real competitor, and he doesn't get known as that because his skills are so damn good. You know, he's got the reach, and there's just other dialogue on John. He's got the unique kicks and the unique attacks. There's just always something else that overshadows it. But at the end of the day, that dude is a competitor and he's dog tough. And I do agree with you. He is now having to rely on the toughness, whereas before he was relying on the skill and toughness came in second. I agree with you. But uh, Luke, 
as human beings, we do not get better at something by not doing it. And John's always been one of these guys where his own teammates and coaches say he's in the room less than anybody. He shows up later. He leaves early, whatever it may be, than anybody. But his results are better than anybody else. That will catch you at some point. I don't know that John's at that point. I think John's a top guy and now at two different weight classes. But if you're arguing that the window is closing around him, that's true, too. Yeah, I, I'm just saying, I'm not saying he won't win a title. That's not at all what I'm saying. I just feel like if you saw the guy that beat Shogun, in some ways, Chael, he was much more unrefined. But in other ways, he was just much more dangerous and just all over you. I just haven't seen that in a long time. I guess that's what I'm trying to point out. Yeah. No, I hear that, too. And I, I mean, I can't tell. Usada's a very real thing, right? I mean, the reason they call it performance enhancers is it makes you better. So, you know, when that goes away... Most guys went away. Most guys bombed out and depleted. John was so good, he went down too. He was His down was still better than every other uh, man on the world. Right? Really weird talent. But, yeah, you, you could tie in these performances that weren't Shogun-esque. You could tie that in right You know when the, when the picogram debate came about. I, I'm really not looking to bury him, but if you, that would be a very clear timeline you could point to and go, that guy's different now. All right, so let's talk about something else related to USADA, which is we've got this huge fight coming up. Israel Adesanya taking on Paulo Costa. Now, I actually asked this to Israel directly this week, which was he's always like, this guy's juiced, this guy's juiced. Now, he doesn't care because he actually takes it as a source of pride that if he beats him, hey, I beat the guy when he was juiced. And my answer or my question to him was, well, how can it be that this guy, I mean, don't give me this post-pandemic stuff where, yes, yeah, since the pandemic, there's been travel issues, fair enough. But the guy's been in the UFC since, 20, what, 17 or so? How is it really possible that they haven't caught him yet? What, what is your view about the accusations toward him and what it says about USADA if, in fact, there is, you know, fire worth of smoke? Yeah, uh, Paulo is definitely clean. I could tie that together. It wouldn't be scientific, but I'd still be right. As a guy that lived on the other side of the tracks, I can tell there's something called the eye test. We know our own, and I would be – this guy takes his shirt off. I don't. I, I can tell you right then not only what he's using – or not only if he's using – I can tell you what he's using. As it relates to Paulo, you know, there was another great line. You were talking about what Adesanya said when he said he was juiced. Paulo Costa sent out a tweet recently and said, Usada's never came for me in Brazil. I mean, he's, he's goading him, right? He's goading everybody, which, which I thought was very fun. One thing about performance enhancers, though, Luke, is they make you bigger. They, they go in this order specifically. Bigger, stronger, faster. But all of them in that bigger is the first one. You talk about that he's been, you know, with the UFC since 2014. I met him on the set of The Ultimate Fighter in, two, you said 2017. I met him in 2014. And I will tell you, he looked that exact same way. And I've had to use this same argument on people that have wanted to call out Yoel Romero. I got to go, guys, time out. First time I saw Yoel, he was 19 <laughs> years old. He was competing in that exact same weight class, and he looked that same way. There's some guys that just got blessed. Did we lose him? I think we no. No. <laughs> no. No way. Are you shitting me? You're kidding. No. Oh, man. It, it wasn't even the Chael Sonnen, like, bye-bye. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the old Irish goodbye thing. Oh, yeah. you got to be kidding me. His internet crapped out. Oh, no. You know uh, what? Back in. Let's just say this. Back in. Is he? Is he? Oh, yeah. he's calling back in? Yeah, we have to wrap it a second, though, anyway. But All right. Well, you know, we got to wrap up here. Chael, can you hear me? 
You're muted. You're muted. No, I'm unmuted. I'm so sorry, buddy. My laptop died. Now I'm on myself. I feel terrible. I'm your last interview, and now I qualify as your worst. No, you're the best. Uh, Chael, you are our first guest, and now you're our last guest. I profit every time we have a discussion. I wish this one could be longer, um, and I would wish you great success going forward, but Jesus Christ, will you leave a job for the rest of us for fuck's sake? <laughs> I appreciate that, but I will miss this show tremendously. I can't wait to see what's next, buddy. Thank you, Chael. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all the interviews over the years and all of your time and insight. All right, we got to get out of here. I will wrap things up on this show and today's episode when we come back. When it's time to go to the track. To the track. Yeah. Sirius XM NASCAR Radio's got you covered. Here we go. Tune in to Sirius XM NASCAR Radio or listen on the phone when you get out of the car with the Sirius XM app. We're back on the track. Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern with NASCAR Cup Series Racing. Everything's happening so fast. It's the Coke Zero Sugar 400. Live from Daytona International Speedway. On Sirius XM. On Sirius, Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Channel 90. Very, very, very well done. <laughs> All right, we got a couple of phone calls left. I will go to them. I appreciate them holding all this time. Chaz in Houston, what's up, man? Hey, Luke. <laughs> what's up? Name a more iconic duo than Luke Thomas absolutely dunking on fools with shit deadlift form. I can't do it. <laughs> it is one of my passions, <laughs> and, Chaz. And you may be one of those people running on a treadmill at an incline, getting your warm-up in, wearing Chuck Taylors, but I still love you for it. Yep. You know me too well, Chaz. Thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate oh, I've absolutely hung up on him. Sorry. The guy was on hold for an hour. Let's go lastly to Jay in Florida. Hi, Jay. Thank you so much, Luke. I wanted to be your first Fight Nation caller. I was that. I wanted to be your last Fight Nation caller, and I hope there's no one after me. It's been an honor and a privilege. I, I hope everything works out for you continued success we've all been blessed and i wanted to bring up marissa uh going to some dude's house to learn how to play poker or dealing poker for him <laughs> that was my favorite part of the show because you guys ripped on her the whole rest of the day and uh i also want to thank uh, you for letting some of the callers show their personality i always loved that guy who always said back to you luke yeah like he was the correspondent. Well, Jay, I appreciate all your listenership through the years and uh, calling and feedback, whether you agreed or didn't. Cobb, were you on the show when Marissa was like <laughs> yeah. going to this dude's house? <laughs> yeah, we ripped her mercifully. Like, oh, you know how this sexual assault starts, right? You just answer an ads on, Craig, on Craigslist and go to people's houses that you don't know. This has a horror story written all over it. Uh, Cobb, you want to say anything else? Because we only got a couple of minutes left. Anything else on the top of your mind? uh dude it, it's uh it's been a fun ride man it's been a pleasure working with you uh I, I learned a lot working with you about this business about you know trying to navigate through mma it is a crazy world but uh i've really enjoyed my time with you learned a ton it's gonna be weird not having you around and not doing the uh 8 30 9 o'clock at night phone call <laughs> not hearing violetta screaming in the background i'm gonna miss that i think most of all but yeah. uh i'm happy for you man you've really earned it all this way and uh it's been a pleasure man good luck to you Thanks. Well, let me just reiterate there as we wind two minutes left in the uh, show. Let me just say this. Um, I am not worried about the future of this channel at all. I think, honestly, Jimmy is going to shine from day one till, you know, whenever he 
however long that run lasts, which I suspect it will be long and successful. And so, you know, I would feel differently if I was leaving people here in a lurch or, you know, if they weren't uh, set up for success, they are supremely set up for success here. They have thrived during the pandemic in ways that a lot of other media outlets haven't. Do you notice there hasn't been one layoff here? You know what I mean? Like, I'm telling you, like they're, they're in a good spot. And let me just end with this. I thank all of you listeners out there. I thank everyone who sent anything to the mailbag, who helped make the show better, who attended a live tweet or a, you know, a tweet up or whatever. But I just want you to understand, this is why I can't complain. Did you guys notice that when Mike Goldberg's run with the UFC ended, he never really got to say goodbye? In broadcasting, whether it's TV or it's radio, they just snatch you off the air and that's the end of it. You almost never get a proper send-off in this business. Look at what I just got for two hours. This is what I mean when I say if you get a chance to work with Marissa, do it. If you get a chance to work at SiriusXM, do it. This is why this whole show today is emblematic of exactly what I'm talking about. We got to relive some of the highlights. We got to laugh at some of the lowlights. I got to talk to you. We got to have guests. We even talked a little bit of MMA. It was, this show was a microcosm of everything it's been the last two years. And the way I was treated here has been a microcosm of the way I've been treated since 2011 when I started with this company. I don't have an ill will in my body. This company is going to thrive. Hopefully I will do the same. And to everybody who was a part of it, to Cobb, to Kelly, to Marissa, to Steve Cohen, Jason Dixon, all of the callers, everyone who ever made this show be what it is. The two engineers who work on this show behind the scenes we have never even talked to. Everybody, thank you. You made it one of the best experiences of my life. So one last time, may all of your gains be loyal. Thanks for listening. Catch the Luke Thomas Show live and in its entirety weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. On Twitter, follow at L Thomas News and the channel at MMA on Sirius XM.